0: All right, welcome to another episode of Catholic Mindset, where we create Catholic content for Catholics. Today, we have Father James and John Peter Gamauchi. They both share stories. They both write and share stories on the That's the Word podcast. I, I want to thank, thank John Peter for reaching out to me via email to, to have this conversation and learn about the stories that they write. Um, how are you guys doing today? Thank you for joining us.
1: We're doing awesome. Thanks for uh, allowing us to be in your podcast and for all that you do with your podcast. Sounds very fascinating. Thank you thank you.
0: thank you. I look forward to the to the conversations. Before we begin, Father would you mind
1: leading us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious Father, we are ever grateful for your word, Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross, rose from the dead, in order that we may have life and have it abundantly. We pray for Alejandro and for all of his listeners. We pray for ourselves that, Lord, this conversation, you may send down the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds and hearts so that we may continue to know, love, and serve you in this life so as to forever one day be with you in the next. As we make our prayer through the intercessions of the Blessed Virgin Mary and always through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you,
0: Amen, Amen. So, first question, I want to start with an icebreaker question. What has been one of the most impactful things that you've
1: learned during this podcasting journey? First of all, if you would would have asked me two years ago about about being part of a podcast or that one day I would be part of the podcast, I would said, Alejandro, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's just been a fascinating journey all along. But specifically with That's the word podcast, sharing stories. The research is the most fascinating part. We share stories that deal with saints, with church figures, but also part of American history or world history. And many times people may be familiar with the characters and the persons that we are presenting, but the research is the most fascinating thing to learn some aspects of someone's life that's there in the history books but just have been forgotten for one reason or another. So for me, that's been the most fascinating process. Once I have started the podcast of learning more about these figures and getting really excited to bring them to life to hopefully brighten someone's day.
0: What about you, John Peter?
2: I would have to agree on the research. There has been quite a number of times where I've researched and the research has destroyed a great story. And there have been times where the research has found a great story that I was not even looking for. And that process of discovery is just so rewarding. And and, and actually just even the journey of being able to read, especially when you come across documents written by some of these people that you've never come across before, that's just, it's beyond uh, ex- exhilarating, honestly.
1: And I'm sure Alejandro for, for yourself and for anyone who does podcasts, it's always very rewarding to get feedback from folks. And I think that's always just been once you're in the podcast world, and even if it doesn't come regularly, but just every once in a while, when somebody just drops a line, or when I see people who know I do a podcast and they say, Oh, we, we really enjoy the the stories you share. I mean that's always very rewarding, and I liked I liked the fact that you guys actually write
0: your stories. I, I didn't know that when we first jumped on the, on a phone call, John Peter and I to talk about doing this uh, this podcast. I um I had, I didn't ask I didn't ask where these stories came from, but it's pretty cool that you guys write your own stories. Do you guys research independently or together, or how do you guys how do you guys build the same stories, or do you guys do one story each? How does that look like
2: so typically one person will take the story we have a backlog of ideas and trello board and we'll just take one when which one interests us and we'll work on it, review it and send it to the other one for approval and sometimes it will go through easily sometimes we have to pass it back and forth sometimes they'll get passed back and forth and then we throw it in the trash because it just doesn't work yeah but Uh, Usually our research is done. We do our research on our own and then come back and have the story written and work it out to find details of some, making sure it flows right, flows right out of it, making sure that we're comfortable with everything that's being said. We make sure we're, there's not something that we're concerned. Is this actually historically accurate here? Is this uh, misleading in the wrong way? And also making sure it just sounds natural coming out of Father James's mouth.
1: And the interesting thing, part of the reason, Alejandra, we started a backlog was first of all, we had to ask ourselves, can we actually do this, share a story every single week? How many stories are out there? Well, we found that 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 certainly was the case. But the other thing we found, kind of going back to your first question uh, and our, our response to that, is that we want to make sure that while we are fine with sharing a story, we want to make sure the story is accurate. And we've often found in many stories that sometimes even the historical details that are, I guess, in popular culture, don't really hit the mark. And that's been a fascinating process is we want to make sure that when we release a story, that not only is it a good story that's wholesome for the whole family, but it is rooted in the facts of the situation.
2: If we're going to share a legend, we're going to be very intentional about which legends we share. And we're going to know that it's a legend when we tell the story, because there's some stories, some there's some legends that have almost reached historical uh, or the point of history at this point.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
2: I like it. So before we go further, I think what
0: I I want to know why, how did this start? Why did it start?
1: John Peter and I had an interesting conversation. I've been a priest since 2011. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Dallas, and I'm currently a pastor of a parish of about 2,000 families down in Waxahachie, Texas, which is in the southern part of our diocese. And John Peter and I have always been interested in sharing the faith. And we were just talking about the role of stories, you know, how stories are used to shape culture and society. You, know, you think of popular culture, you think of the movies or different entertainment industries, but then you go back to think of throughout all of history that's been the case. You look at the Greek culture, any any big established culture, they always have the capacity to share stories, to hand things on. Then of course in our own faith, Jesus Christ, right? How did he teach? He shared stories, he told parables, the apostles when they were sent on their commission, they told everyone what Jesus did. And so we realized how important it was to share stories with folks. And sometimes that gets lost in our modern culture of things. Um, and, and just to be able to share a fun, good story. And we grew up uh, having our mom, or I should say our mom, you know, choosing to read stories to us. And so we just thought in our society, how can we contribute um, to be able to enhance things in our culture, whether the culture at large or even within the church nowadays. And we thought the story was a good way to go.
0: So when you guys come up with a topic, or for example, going back to this back block, do you guys shoot for a particular age range or are you, who are you telling the stories to? Ourselves,
2: mostly. Okay. If uh, Now, if... Yeah, we have to be interested in the story ourselves. This is something that we have to be okay I would really like to hear this story. We do shoot for it's always family friendly so okay. we want to make sure that families can listen to this and enjoy it. but other than that uh, we're right we're Catholic so we write from a Catholic mindset we write from a Catholic perspective and that's about it we We've done stories with almost no relation to the church or things like that and we don't we're not really auditing the stories for okay what do we what are sort of target we're just mostly we figured that if we're interested in the story if it's something that interests us and it's told well then other people will be interested and our audience will be interested because they're choosing to listen to I'm, I'm presuming they're listening to the stories that we're telling because we, they like what we choose and And I think for us, a big reason
1: is there's always in the end rooted in God because Jesus Christ said, I am the way I'm the truth and I am the life. So it's not so much focused on just supernatural truths or the supernatural elements of the faith, but it can be very natural. You know, it could be part of the natural history of things. Uh, Again, even non-Catholic related, however, as John Peter said, with the Catholic mindset, with the Catholic perspective, um, because we want to draw out that truth because part of sharing the story is not just the entertainment. That's part of the puzzle. But the other piece that's very important is that it is formative, not just informative, but we want it to really be formative because as a people, we are always being influenced by someone and or something. And we thought, how best can we um, contribute to the podcast world and truly be something that's formative for Catholics? But if someone were not to be Catholic and were to listen to this story, uh, that they would get something out of it, too, if they were interested in something that is true and something that is wholesome.
0: So do you guys have any background in writing?
1: None of us do. do. Uh, John Peter and I both are graduates of the University of Dallas, which is a Catholic university here in the Diocese of Dallas. And so John Peter can attest, I was a philosophy major. He was a computer science major. And we had to do an incredible amount of writing in our classes with uh, the core curriculum, history, philosophy, theology, literature. And so I think that experience has helped us
2: be able to do these stories
0: okay okay how many stories
2: have you guys written so far about 70 or 80
0: and your podcasts vary in range right i think i have them here yes go ahead once a
1: week once a week every wednesday since uh, advent of 2020 we've released a story so and we try to stay ahead of the game so that we're not uh, you know looking to record a story the wednesday before but Sometimes that happens because life happens
2: like yesterday.
1: That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. But now we're caught up. It's been interesting. We've always had the story in place. That was one of our big questions when we we're starting the podcast. Can we actually keep up with, mm. uh, with the schedule? So we've always had the story there. Sometimes it's just been, um, making sure we get together to record because obviously, I live in a parish nearby and and John Peter lives uh, in another town here in the diocese. So it's a matter of getting up here to the studio and making sure there's time for us to both record because we both have uh, very busy lives. Someone had asked us if this was our full-time job. No, definitely not the case.
0: might as well. I'm sure
1: it's not the, as I'm sure as is your case as well. It truly is a hobby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and at least not yet. Maybe in the future. Hopefully, one can only hope that you know your side projects grow into an actual, um, into an actual thing. Well, that be cool. That'll be. Cool. you know, that's
1: interesting. I mean, a relative I remember told me once: you, you always want to do something that you love. Mm. And so, if, right now, this is something we do really love, and so it is a hobby for us. It really is something that that is life giving to us. And I assume for any podcaster or any any profession. You know, if they do something that really love and then it eventually maybe turn out as something that can supply one's income or life, that's awesome because there's that passion there. Um, We always will have to do stuff that needs to get done uh, in any job or any vocation, but it's nice to be able to get to the point where we can really focus on the things that we love.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you there. So how how long does it take you guys to put the story together? Because I'm seeing here you got eight minutes, you got 12 minutes, even a 20 minute story. So uh, do you guys shoot for a certain word number? Because I've, I know a little bit about writing and I've tried to put together my own content. That's why I decided to do Interviews because creating my own content took time. Like you guys do research, you guys have to write it, drafts, share it with each other. So how many how, how long no, how long does it take for you guys to put a story together?
2: I would say maybe two or three hours of research and writing, maybe. I, I don't think it does. It, it I means it's definitely the most time consuming part of the production. The recording takes maybe 15 minutes recording and editing. Maybe half an hour that's probably and be generous here but the um, uh yeah because we'll go go through it and have to read the story and make sure it sounds good and then um i mean because we have the scripted part at the beginning and then the afterward is unscripted we generally shoot for about a page it's not really scientific we okay we, we greatly enjoy the fact that in podcasting we have no constraints on the time and, and being precise with the seconds so we, this short, we keep the stories five to 10 minutes long, but we just uh, don't nail down exact. And, and you know it has evolved over
1: time where it used to be just a story. And then we realized there was value in telling people a little bit of the background of the story um, so that people can, if they choose, uh, get more information from it. And so now we always have an afterword after the story to just share some background information. And it's fascinating because getting feedback from our audience, that's the thing they always compliment on us the most is the afterward. So for us, we're focused on getting the story right. And for us, that's the sign of a win when we have an awesome story to share. And I know people value that, but we never thought that people would appreciate our off-the-cuff remarks at the end to kind of explain, but people have really liked
2: that. So we do it. Initially, it was, I it still is to some extent that if we don't have anything to say at the end, we were going to not say anything and just cut at the end and not do our unscripted remarks. But then we got complaints every time we did that. So people, however, want it. people, want it.
0: people wanted the remarks.
1: And as you know, or anybody who's been a writer knows, there's always the editing process. And part of the reason when John Pierre and I actually come together, because many times, We don't actually get to interact uh, in person with each other on the story until we're ready to record it. And writing something is very different than uh, presenting it in an audio uh, format. And so we review that and again, make sure that it's not just a nice written document that's something to read in terms of on a piece of paper, but something that can really be presented because we're very cognizant that the listener is not going to have the paper in front of them. And so we want to make sure the tone, the inflections, the things that we emphasize are all kind of there because we only have five, seven minutes to tell this story and we, want, and we recognize all those elements play an impact on how it's received uh, to the listener.
0: So can you guys talk to me a little bit about formatting? What can people expect when they listen to these stories?
2: Jump here, I'll let you take that one. So we're inspired in these stories by the storytelling of Paul Harvey and Mike Rowe, actually, more, who is also copying off of Paul Harvey. But Paul Harvey was a famous radio broadcaster, died in 2009. One of his things that he would do is, about noon, you'd hear a segment called The Rest of the Story, where he'd tell a short story, and he wouldn't tell you who the person was that he was talking about it would be someone famous or someone you know and you get the story and then at the end he would reveal who it was and so we're doing something similar to that where we're telling these stories you're going to know who the person is or presumably who the person is but we're not going to tell you who it is makes the story almost a guessing game to try to figure out who the person we're talking about is before the big reveal Mm. And
1: excuse me, and that was something that was very important to to me when we started this podcast. And John Pierre and I both agreed in the end is we wanted to have not just a podcast that was sharing great content, but something that was very specific and sharing stories and in, in this format. So again, as I mentioned to you about our recording style to make sure that everything is right, since these stories are short. Um, we also wanted to ensure, since we only have five, seven minutes, five and seven minutes to, to do these stories, that uh, we don't include anything that's non-essential. And we focus on really the essence of it, uh, to really respect the character and to respect the listener and respect the, the time constraint
2: that we're giving to tell this story.
0: Okay. I, I, I know you guys have an example for us.
2: Absolutely. So we went through and picked one. Uh, I'm not sure if you feel the same way with your stuff. With our stuff, we were talking about this before. We're, I, I, we're always happy when people listen to our newer stuff first because we've gotten better about it. <laughs> yes. So we picked one of our newer stories to share and we figured that uh, you and your audience would enjoy. Yeah, the, 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 the recent stories are always the best because <laughs> you you're, you've improved.
0: You've improved. My first podcast is not It's not even close to what this podcast will be, so it's normal.
2: Absolutely.
1: Welcome to That's the Word, wholesome tales for the whole family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, summoning the prisoner. Rudy needed a specialist. The guards searched for one, but they could not find anyone for the job. Then Rudy remembered Walter. They had only met once and had not seen each other in years. But Walter was someone that you did not forget. Back then, Walter had snuck into Rudy's prison, looking for his friends. He had been caught but Rudy had been impressed by Walter's audacity and chose not to take any further action. Thank God he did, otherwise Walter would not be available to help Rudy now. Though Rudy admired Walter, he was certain the feeling was not mutual. Walter likely never wanted to hear Rudy's name again, let alone help him. But then again, Walter was audacious. Rudy rose to his feet when the guards brought Walter into the room. Rudy had prepared himself for this moment, but found himself at a loss for words. The men stood in silence, briefly looking at each other. Then they got down to business. The two men spoke for a long time that day, As Walter rose at the end of the meeting, he told Rudy, I will see you tomorrow. Walter was true to his word, visiting Rudy a final time with a gift that brought Rudy to his knees and led him to weep. Five days later, Rudy found himself in his old office. He asked the guards for a cup of coffee before joining them to see the gallows that had been especially erected. For one prisoner. While Rudy was far from his homeland, he knew well his former prison camp. He walked up to the gallows, and as the sentence was read, the hangman placed a noose around Rudy's neck. For he was no longer the commandant, but a notorious prisoner sentenced to death. On Good Friday, Rudy made the request for a priest to come and hear his confession before his execution. Incredibly, the guards did everything in their power to secure a priest who spoke German, but were unsuccessful. That is when Rudy remembered Father Waldislaw Lohn. Seven years ago, the Gestapo had arrested a community of Jesuit priests in Krakow, all except their superior, who was absent at the time. When Father Lone, the superior, discovered what happened, he decided to sneak into the dreaded Auschwitz concentration camp to find the priests because he needed to be with his brothers. He was caught in the camp and brought to Rudy. Much to the guard's surprise, Rudy released Father Lone, making Father Lone the sole survivor of the Jesuit community. It is this priest who now came and heard Rudy's confession, and the following day gave him Holy Communion. Following his death, a letter written by Rudy was published in which he wrote, In the solitude of my prison cell, I have come to the bitter recognition. I caused unspeakable suffering, but the Lord forgave me. This is the final chapter of the life of a man who grew up in a devout Catholic home and at one point discerned a vocation to the priesthood but chose a life which led him to be personally responsible for the deaths of millions. And yet neither God nor Father alone closed the door of mercy to him at his hour of need. The man known as the butcher of Auschwitz, Rudolf Puss. And for this week, that's the word.
0: Thank you for sharing that story. So what is some of this famous chit-chat you guys will do after the stories that people love so much?
1: Well, for this story, there were a couple of things that we mentioned about. One thing is just from the personal standpoint of thinking how difficult it was for Father Lone, presumably, to be able to minister to the former commandant, to Rudy, to Rudolph. Uh, Just on the... I, I hope as a priest that I'd be able to do that. But one of the things we shared with our audience is to just think about this. He's going to a man that is not only responsible for the deaths of millions, but also the deaths of his brothers, the Jesuit community that he was in charge of. I mean, he was truly the father of that community. And he had... um, of responsibility for those Jesuit brothers. So, not just because they were associates and not just because they lived together, but, and, and I'm a diocesan priest, so I probably don't even understand what that community dynamics like. And so, this man who's responsible for the deaths of his um, brothers in the Jesuit order, he is willing to give him the sacraments that will open the doors of heaven possibly to Rudy. That's just powerful. And yet that was the right thing for him to do. That's what a priest is called to do. That's what Jesus Christ did when he went to the cross uh, and died for our sins and rose from the dead. And so that's what we're called to do. That's a heroic witness. Hopefully we're never in a position where we would have to do that. But so that was one aspect of the conversation is just that witness of this priest and would we be willing to do the same?
2: Right, because I mean, some of them were, it's not only just his Jesuit brothers, but I'm sure some of them were his friends. Mm-hmm. They spent quite a bit of time together. And then beyond that, or I guess not beyond that, but another thing we discussed was when the guards found Father Lone, uh, when they were, when uh, the commandant had to request them, the Butcher of Auschwitz requested a priest, he was actually at the time the chaplain of the convent where sister Faustina first saw Jesus in the visions of the, of uh, divine mercy. So father Lohn was called from the chapel where the first uh, apparition of divine mercy happened, to come bring God's mercy to Rudolf Huss.
1: And see, those are the type of things why we have the extra words is there are details like that that are like, especially from a Catholic mindset, that is so um so precious to be able to include. And people who are familiar with the divine mercy devotion, Jesus appeared to Sister Faustina in the early 1930s, early to mid-1930s, and you know that devotion has uh, was had a history that eventually received formal universal approval, and is celebrated as a devotion on the second Sunday of Easter each year. You know, just to be able to share that detail in the story, that would be great. But we really couldn't do that, and so therefore the extra word serves for this story and then for other stories. Moments like that, just to be able to enlighten and say, share some of the background and and just appreciate you know, the providence of it all even more, more cool
2: stuff.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like the background. It's always good to get a little bit of that background in. and, and being in that chapel where the divine mercy was, you know, where it all started. That's he was ready. He was charged. He was ready to bestow that same mercy. So that's awesome.
1: He was definitely primed for that, you know, <laughs> yeah. for sure. And yeah, that's just uh, it gives us hope you know, in that situation, you know, that there is always hope, you know, that as St. Paul reminds Timothy, you know, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And we always have hope in Jesus Christ. And he gives us clear signs of that each day, not just in the teachings of the church and the sacraments, but also things like that. As one of my friends said, those things are called God winks. you know, we are just like, how cool is all of this in terms of how God can work and just remind us that yes, I am here. And yes, you know, at the end of the day, um, I can make all things new.
0: Amen. I like it. I like it. So I have some questions. You guys are brothers, right? So I want to, I want to know a little bit about this brotherly dynamic you guys have. How has that been?
1: It's been awesome for our relationship. We've always had a close relationship. I mean, we're, I'm a little older than John Peter, but we've always had a, a close relationship. And I think this has just helped strengthen it. There are certainly times where we may disagree on a story idea or how the story should be told, but um, you know, gold is refined, silver is refined in fire. And so I think <laughs> that's the best way to just to explain that. There's been some stories where we had to just basically say, no, we just can't do that. Uh, and there's been other stories where they've taken draft or draft. I have to say, John Peter has been very patient with uh, me because uh, I think he has a better, uh, he just has a clearer grasp of the story early on and he's able to get a draft to completion faster than I can, but we both work together on it. Uh, and uh, it's really been good for the relationship.
2: hmm Probably the worst moment was when we were doing the picture in the profile. And then <laughs> that, that took all day. People don't like having the doing the picture deal. I'm not the greatest photographer, so it took me a few tries. We had other family members involved in making it work. And we were, got close to homicide, but we've survived that. <laughs> and, and uphill from there. I think all
1: day is an overstatement, but it did take a lot longer than we expected. It was so.
2: literally all day. <laughs>
1: But I will say, you know, all of us, I think, bring our different gifts. I am definitely the more of the public speaker. Makes sense. I'm the pastor. Uh, John, this could not happen without John Peter's technical skills. We have a nice soundboard and, and just different things. And also the outreach that we've been doing on social media, that really is, has been something he has taken on. And so that's a world that I'm not as familiar with. And so it really is bringing the gifts and talents that we both share together but I would say, honestly, if we had the most minimum of listeners and we decided, you know, this, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, so to speak, um, there would be just great benefit just for ourselves and our own relationship. Um, and it would have been worth it. And so that, that, that makes it uh, all the more fun than everything else is kind of the icing on the cake and being able to do this and, and have this. And sometimes it's, it's just something that you have to remember. Oh, yeah, you're actually doing a podcast and people are listening and, and people have, have, have had positive impacts because of that. You know, that's all just icing on the take and you can really just enjoy it, even though sometimes we may be uh, stressed. And John Peter will remind me, hey, we got to record a story if we want to get this out by next Wednesday. And fair enough. So, go- going back
0: to the podcast, what has been one of the hardest, challenges you guys have encountered
2: in creating these podcasts well we mentioned the research being part of the challenge and that was surprisingly the thing that took the longest i guess it shouldn't have been surprising is the research and the reading the other and the other aspect of it is just learning about the audio stuff because father james keeps saying i'm technologically savvy what that means is I know how to write code. I have no idea about audio stuff. That's not my expertise. So I'm sure you've gone through this too, working with the podcast. You start learning things that you never really wanted to know about how audio works and about how to make it wor- work. So that's been a whole learning process. It's been enjoyable, uh, but that's def- there's definitely been challenges there um, on that end. And then more on the content end I would say, yeah, just, when you the, the more you learn about, okay, what, how do you research and where can you research and where do you get the stories from and make it, when you, as we're, we're pursuing this and trying to make it more and more or better and better and maintain the standard that we set for ourselves of accuracy.
0: Gotcha.
1: For, for sure. me. Oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was just going to add to what John Peter was saying that, yeah, the, the audio has been challenging. Um, I've been doing, I've been pushing video a lot. So I've been focusing more on that. So learning how to use, I use DaVinci Resolve, for example, learning one step at a time, one video, one YouTube video, <laughs> learning about one little thing here and there. Now, of course, now I have a flow. But at first, it was a little bit uh, brain breaking, I'm going to, you know, to to do it. But what about you, Father Father James?
1: I would say the toughest thing has just been keeping up with the schedule. You know, we both live very busy lives and we've been able to keep the schedule, but that's always, at least for me, that's always front and center on my mind. You know, let's make sure we have all, all of this done and we have what we need to be able to, to meet our personal obligations that we've made as goals for this podcast I would also say another thing, maybe this is just more, not maybe practical, but maybe just on the personal level. I think it takes a lot of humility to do these stories because uh, you have to be willing to let go of your own ideas or preconceptions of what you think the story is about. Um, but also that, especially in the editing process, I'm sure anybody in the artistic world would would know, um, sometimes there's been things where I really think it's, it's gotta be there either because I did so much work to find this piece of information or I just liked how I wrote it, or it's just a really nice detail and really to learn that you are at, you are the servant of the story, so to speak, and what is really best for the story. And it's not really about you. It's about the character. One of the things I love doing is I I've always loved music growing up. And so whenever I write uh, a story, I'm always listening to some kind of music. Normally it's classical music or a soundtrack from a movie theme and really just to spend time with these characters or with these persons, uh, has been a real treat. Um, and so while it's one of the hardest things, it's also one of the blessings. You really feel like you get to know this person for the amount of time you spend with them, however small it is, um, But then the hard thing is to be able to say, I got to get out of my own way. And whenever I've done that, the story has shown more brilliantly than I could ever have imagined. And so, but it's a continuing lesson of uh, humility and just really kind of listening and and learning. Um, And I think that can be a a double-edged sword, right? Learning is an awesome thing uh, because that's how we grow, but sometimes we have to Acknowledge that we're not the master. We're, we're always the student.
0: I like it. I like it. So I i, I know that we're, we are running out of time, but I have one more question for both of you. Um, for any Catholic out there that wants to share their faith in any of these mediums, podcasting, social media, or, or whatever, do you guys have a recommendation from your experience?
1: I would say as a priest, it's so good to see Good, solid lay faithful like you, Alejandro, and so many others, and even other clergy members entering into the social media sphere. I think it's important. I think it's necessary. I think it's a, it's a great witness. Uh, and, and what I would always encourage is to make sure you're discerning God's will. I'll never forget something my vice rector uh, in major seminary once told us. He said, There's a big difference between doing something for God. And doing the will of God. And I think it's very exciting. Whenever we think of any project, whether it be social media, whether it be on a local level, at the parish, at the home, in the neighborhood, at work, whatever the case may be, to, to jump in and say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. But, but then at the same time, it's like, well, what does God really want us to do? You know, Because he has it all figured out. And as I heard from another priest, holiness is really my will and God's will becoming one. And it's not because God's doing my bidding, right? And it's because I'm doing more and more God's bidding. So as attractive it is to be able to say, yes, we want to get out there and, and get the message out. And as needed as it is, I think it's also very important to take a step back and say, am I personally growing in holiness? You know, am am I doing everything I need to do in my vocation? And because God's always going to open doors. So maybe from a pastoral point of view, John Peter, as a lay person, may can give more practical advice. But that would be my thing is, is there are so many opportunities, but what is something that is unique that serves the church and God? Well, that's something that you can contribute to society into the church that truly is a benefit, but also at the same time allows you to become someone who, as I said in the opening prayer, knows, loves, and serves God, because at the end of the day, that's what the purpose of life is, right? According to the catechism, know, love, and serve God in this life so as to be forever happy in the next.
2: Right. I would mostly echo what Father James is saying as most of my answer. And Uh, I mean, one thing we did is if you do want to pursue something in the creative realm or in the public realm like this, one thing we did when we were talking about this and is that uh, we weren't just going to do something where it's another priest talking on a podcast about faith stuff, because there are already a lot of great priests out there talking about faith stuff. We don't need another one do it or we, we didn't feel like it was going to add any anything for us to be working on something which was just that. We weren't going to add anything to the conversation there. So we try to find something that's a unique niche. What's something that's not getting done that will add value? And beyond that, though, I would say that it's most important to make sure that you're engaging with your parish. I, I'm active in my parish and in the young adult community in small groups and stuff like that. And Father James is the pastor of a parish where he is the spiritual father of thousands of souls. That's something where I I truly believe that that's where a lot of the sanctification will happen. There's very few people who are going to be the televangelists um, of uh, of today, like Bishop Sheen was back in the day, but there's a lot more of us who are going to be those personal let me be Jesus in people other people's lives. Be yeah, uh, be the hands and feet of jesus and the and how people are going to hear about god uh, from our words and our actions in their own lives in our friendships
0: got it okay guys it's been great thank you so much father james for for jumping on the show and john peter again thank you for reaching out to me and and for being on the show, it's been great getting to know about your podcast. That's the word, right? That's mm-hmm. the word. Um, I'm going to put all your content information in the show notes so people can reach out. And if you have any questions or just listen to your podcast. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys. I well, appreciate that.
1: Thank you for the time. And thank you for all the good work you're doing in your podcast world. And we'll keep you in our prayers if you keep us in ours. But well, that didn't make sense. If you <laughs> keep, uh, no, I'll keep your prayers. I will keep you the prayers. editing process helps though, too.
2: That sounded like a threat. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not at all. No, I know no, what not. you meant. I know what so, you meant. Prayer, prayers for you, and please pray for us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Alejandro. This thank is great. Too.
0: Thank you. Thank you.